Welcome to the Keystone Kickoff Show, brought to you by the Keystone Sports Network. Get the best Penn State sports news and analysis at KeystoneSportsNetwork.com or download the Keystone Sports app from your smartphone. Hello and welcome to the Keystone Kickoff Show. I'm Jim Galante. He is Jeff Byers. And we're ready for an hour of Penn State sports talk. Jeff, how are you doing? I am doing well and always ready to talk some Penn State sports. Fantastic. Um, As some of our listeners probably already, I've had a rough week, Jeff. I've had a rough week. I had my power out for a couple days. I had technology issues. I've had about everything that could go wrong do so this week. So I'm hopeful this is the start of better things. Getting on the air with my buddy Jeff Byers. That's a great way to turn things around. There you go. We're here to help. We do what we can. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Well, at least the week started out well, Jeff. Monday night uh, was a huge night for Sports and State College. First of all, it started, we had an outing uh, Monday night at the cafe downtown, uh, teaming up with Char Moret Curtis's group, Teammates for Life. Uh, a group that really works with uh, Penn State women's athletics. We'll talk about that event more as we go on with the show. And then it was the BJC Center for Wrestling. That was a big night. You were right in the middle of it. For our listeners who have never been in for the wrestling match at the Bryce Jordan Center, just paint the picture. What is that like? It really is special, and they've made it just a terrific event. So there's a couple of things that I think stood out about this year. Obviously, they did the throwback night, so they went to the original Penn State colors of black and pink, and they had like a pink um, lighting around the stage, uh, which they have the stage when they do the Jordan Center meet. It's about four feet off of the ground, and they put the mat on it, and it's very similar to the setup. Uh, that they have for the NCAA finals uh, in March. So that in and of itself makes it just a a neat event, having that raised platform that the wrestlers uh, go up on. But between the lights and then they do the fire, uh, you know, the flamethrowers, and it just, it, it feels like you are at a big time event. And, and they have just, to me, done a masterful job at the Bryce Jordan Center of figuring that out and how to make it a spectacle for the fans that attend. You know, it was a Monday night. It's the night after the Super Bowl, so they they did not sell out, but it was a crowd of over 12,000, and it was, I I think those that attended uh, got their money's worth, certainly from an entertainment perspective from the arena, and then ultimately, I think from the wrestling as well. Penn State was obviously with the, out a couple of starters, but you had a couple of kids that uh, stepped in, wrestled up a weight class, and knocked off ranked opponents. Uh, and those are special moments, obviously, for those kids, their families, but I also think for the fans. Those are uh, some memories that will stand out. I, I was there the night I saw, uh, you know, Terrell Barraclaw and Lucas Cochran. Uh, knocked off uh, ranked opponents, even though they were backups at uh, lower weight classes. That 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 is pretty special stuff when you get those opportunities and you're able to 
uh, cash in on them. So, you know, I think from Penn State's perspective, it was uh, just a, a spectacular night, a very uh, entertaining night. And I think the the fans, you know, they put out the shakers, the pom-poms, the, the, the pink shakers on everybody's seat. Uh, so everybody got to walk away with uh, with that. And I just think it was a just a good fun night uh, for wrestling fans or even sports fans that just wanted to check out uh, what it's all about uh, with the, the Bryce Jordan Center match for wrestling. And Jeff, it was interesting to me, obviously, of the two of us, you're the wrestling expert. And you and I chatted at the cafe prior to you heading over to the BJC. And I don't know, I, I guess I asked you about how it's going to go or what. And you actually put this worried look on your face. Well, Jim, we're going to have, you know, a couple guys are going to be out. And you actually scared me as if, uh-oh, this might might be tough this evening. What was the final score, Jeff? Yeah, it ended up 35-3, and again, hats off to Terrell Barraclaw and Lucas Cochran because they, they filled in very admirably for Carter Sirachi and Greg Kirkfleet. And it was interesting because earlier in the day, I, I really wasn't sure. I, I thought we might have as many as four starters out of the Penn State lineup. Ended up being two. Now, Rutgers did have four of their starters out of the lineup, and we're just in that stretch of the season where – you know, it, it's flu and cold season, and uh, some of these guys are, aren't feeling great. It was really interesting. Carter Starachi was the only one that did not weigh in of the starters for Penn State. Uh, but I, I, I thought we might see a couple more sit out. And then when they, they introduced the lineups, Greg Kirkfleet went out, and I'm like, well, maybe he is going to give it a go. But I had talked to a couple of people that said he just looked and sounded awful <laughs> earlier in the day and they weren't expecting him to to go uh but then he did weigh in and he went out there and then I saw Aaron Brooks who I didn't think was going to go uh you know he obviously went I'm like well maybe Greg will go and then when he didn't I'm like well this will be a good opportunity for Lucas to just get a, a feel uh truly did not think <laughs> there was much of a chance there of winning that bout um but you know, he got the only two takedowns in that uh, that bout and certainly finished up uh, with a very memorable moment uh, at, at the Jordan Center. So, yeah, it. listen, this team, we keep talking about it, Jim. I mean, it has a chance. And listen, in wrestling, like in all sports, I guess, you're really defined by postseason success, right? Like the Patriots the year they went undefeated all the way to the Super Bowl, like that might have been one of the all-time great teams in the NFL. They will never be mentioned as such because they didn't win the ultimate game. But this Penn State wrestling team really does have a chance, I think, in multiple ways to stamp itself as the, the greatest college wrestling team ever assembled. And one of those ways is the depth. Again, when you have a Terrell Barraclaw and a Lucas Cochran, as reserves, and they both went up a weight class. I mean, really, Barraclaw could go all the way down at 57, but he's been going at 65, bumped up to 74 while weighing in at 65. Same thing with Lucas Cochran at 97 going up to heavyweight, and, you know, Barraclaw takes down the 13th-ranked kid, and Cochran takes down the 8th-ranked heavyweight, giving up 50 pounds to him. That's just remarkable. And, I mean, we've talked – 
top to bottom, like 125 through heavyweight, the starters, they have a chance to, to have 10 All-Americans. Again, we'll see how it plays out, but I think there's an opportunity for that to happen. I think that 170 points at the NCAA tor- tournament, which is the record that the 97 Iowa team set, I, I think Penn State has a chance at that. But then I also think, again, when you go to the reserves, the guys that are backing up the starters, and there's no way to quantify this or prove this, but I do think this team ranks at least right there with whatever team you think had the uh, the best backups in the history of the sport. Uh, it, It is just remarkable in every way what this team has assembled this season. And Jeff... You know, we're talking about this meet at uh, the Bryce Jordan Center on Monday, but that was a follow-up to a match at Iowa. You don't go into Iowa and give them a beatdown. It just doesn't happen. But it did. It doesn't. Not not in that arena. It, it never has. And, yeah, what Penn State did there was truly impressive. And... Yeah, you know, unprecedented in terms of at, at Carver Hawkeye Arena, Iowa losing by twenty three points in a dual meet. You know, and Penn State, I think, feels uh, they come away from it uh, saying, "Man, we we could have and and maybe should have won uh, at least one and, and maybe two more uh, in that duel." So again, it's just a very special team. They're doing very special things and. You know, we'll see what happens in the postseason. Obviously, Penn State uh, has had an unbelievable track record in particular since 2016 when it comes to postseason success. Uh, so you're anticipating that this team will do well there with with all of the accolades that it is uh, heaping up during the regular season. But regardless of what happens in the postseason, this has just been one uh, really special ride that this coaching staff and these kids have allowed the fans to go on this season. And what's interesting to me, Jeff, too, and to your credit, I remember chatting with you as the season was just getting ready to start, and you were already having this conversation about could this be the best team ever. Well, and and one of the remarkable things about that, Jim, because I, I'm sure I threw in the as long as it stays healthy (laughs) phrase that uh, I always throw in when it comes to sports like football and wrestling, where, you know, it's such a uh, grueling and physically demanding and and contact sport, but Penn state didn't stay healthy. I mean, Shane Van Ness went out early in the season uh, and, and is obviously out for the rest of the year with an injury. And, you know, he was ranked second at the time. In my mind, he was the favorite to win the national title Obviously, again, something I'll never be able to prove, but I'm just absolutely convinced uh, that Shane Van Ness was on track to win the national title. Well, you take a guy like that out of uh, any lineup, right, it's it's going to impact it. And I'm not saying it didn't impact Penn State's, but here comes Tyler Kasak, a true freshman, um, you know, not as polished as Van Ness was, but certainly a legit all-American contender here. He's ranked ninth this week in the Intermat rankings and has just one loss uh, outside of uh, teammates this season. And again, I think he'll be right in the mix. And that just goes back again, the depth that this team has where they have a chance to still go down as the greatest ever 
even with one of their best wrestlers out for the season with, uh, with you know a serious injury. It, it is that part is is probably even more astounding when you sit down and and think about it because again you're talking about a, a guy that was certainly a top three guy. I mean, he finished third last year. And again, I think was uh, was on the cusp of being a national champion here this season. Real quick, in the half minute we have left, Jeff, what's next on the schedule? Yeah, a big one here with Nebraska, Jim, on Sunday. And I think Nebraska may match up as well as anybody. Nobody matches up well with Penn State. Let me start there. But I do think this Nebraska lineup uh, is formidable. And I do think this will be a really good test uh, in the Big Ten dual finale Sunday at Rec Hall. All right, and it's on a weekend, so no excuse for not making it out there for that one. All right, that's it for quarter number one. We got lots more to go. Stick around. Having multiple sportsbook accounts is the simplest way to get the best available odds, and there's never been a better time to sign up. When you visit our page, signupexpert.com slash KSN, you'll be connected to all the sportsbooks in your region. All of these sportsbooks have valuable signup offers for new users, and through our link, you'll automatically receive the top offer at each one. If you want to take advantage of these benefits, sign up for your next sportsbook at signupexpert.com slash KSN, or see the preferred sportsbook button on our app. It's quarter number two on the Keystone Kickoff Show. Brought to you by the Keystone Sports Network. Get the best Penn State sports news and analysis at KeystoneSportsNetwork.com or download the Keystone Sports app from your smartphone. Hello and welcome back to the Keystone Kickoff Show. I'm Jim, he's Jeff. We're talking Penn State sports. It's quarter number two. Quarter one, Jeff, we delved into wrestling, something you know a little bit about. And uh, there was the big Bryce Jordan Center match on Monday night, but that wasn't all going on in the sports world on Monday night. We had our big event, Downtown State College at Cafe 210, um, in conjunction with Teammates for Life, and we'll talk about that a little bit more. We also had uh, representatives from the women's basketball team, including head coach Carolyn Keeger, who we got to talk to. Really interesting to chat with her. But, Jeff, I think the overall takeaway from this is there's more going on with Penn State sports than just the major sports. And I want to give a shout-out to uh, your station in State College, 98.7 The Fox, for not only being part of the State College and uh, Center County community, but trying to get more involved locally with events and more local sporting events. Yeah, and Jim, I I think it's one of the really neat things uh, for me, uh, living most of my life here in Center County uh, and following the the Penn State and local sports scene pretty closely over the years, is... the stories that are there, right? And, and obviously, I, I love to tell the wrestling stories, and I, I know them uh, especially well. But you start looking around at, at what all is occurring, as you said, on, on the Penn State campus and even in, in the high schools around the area. The, the, the caliber of kid, the caliber of coach, the caliber of support staff that is around them, and then the stories as, as they come together. And obviously not everybody is wildly successful, 
uh, and and you have trials and tribulations as you know there there is in life uh, and but it's it's kind of neat to hear these different stories and see uh, the the backgrounds that these uh, different individuals come from and then collectively what they're able to uh, do together or even individually and and just you know a couple of Quick examples, and I know, you know, Carolyn Keeger and, and what she's doing with that women's basketball program, I think is a really neat story, Jim, because to me, there were no shortcuts taken there. Like it, she has built this thing up kind of step by step. And that is not maybe the way a lot of programs are doing it these days. Kind of that traditional, hey, let's get our kids in, let's build this up. And, you know, again, I'm not obviously a, a wuzu. I'm not saying they're not taking advantage of the new world we're living in. They are. But I think she has really gone about it with, hey, we're going to build this up from the base. We're going to keep getting our kids in, work with them. And yes, again, in this day and age, you're foolish if you're not taking advantage of the opportunities to bring in complimentary pieces here and there. But I think she has a similar philosophy uh, to James Franklin, where it's not you know, we're not going to try to revamp our entire team, but yeah, if we have a hole here or there, or if there's a terrific player, whether we have a hole there or not, uh, that can come in and, and help us. Yeah, we're going to take it. Uh, but I, I just, I love her approach and I love seeing that team have the success that it is this season. And I think you're seeing some similar things with like Penn state softball, that this freshman, uh, pitcher Nemeth is a phenomenal story. Uh, and if you don't know anything about that, she's off to a 4-0 start. Penn State is 5-0. Penn State softball has never gone back-to-back seasons with 5-0 starts. They have done that now, last season and this. But the, this freshman pitcher, Nemeth, had uh, four wins. And in the other one, she had a save. <laughs> so she's 4-0, and I, I, the the uh, ERA is like 1.03 or something, and 19 and a third innings pitch. I mean, it is phenomenal. And there are stories like that all throughout the campus. Penn State Women's Gymnastics is having a wildly successful start, uh, doing things that we haven't seen that program do uh, in well over a decade. Um, you know, I know the men's basketball program just had the uh, setback to Michigan State, but I think it, it's neat seeing what Michael Rhodes has been able to do in piecing things together very quickly and kind of getting that team to to grow and come together. And again, across the board, you're, you're just seeing there's neat stories that are being told. We just had a, uh, a state high kid, a, a state high graduate who's now at Penn State. Uh, and she's had the best time in the mile, women's mile this year, and was just named Big Ten Track Athlete of the Week. These are the stories that are there, and understandably, football is the dominant topic, but man, there are a lot of neat kids doing a lot of really neat things on this campus. And Jeff, we got the opportunity to talk to first Char Marek Curtis, who started Teammates for Life. It's It's a... Uh, university organization. By the way, it's not a collective. They do not, it's not NIL, but they are looking to help uh, and look out for women's sports, look for ways to promote it. And our association with them is, is part of that. And this is the first, we're calling it a series called Winning Ways. 
in talking about some of these uh, women's sports, we got we started with women's basketball with Carolyn Keeger, who was just really fascinating to talk to. And by the way, I'm going to have her on our show again because she was great to talk to. But probably even more important, as someone who's watched the traditional sports, Penn State football, Penn State basketball, Penn State wrestling, uh, I got to watch this Penn State women's basketball team. Jeff, they're an exciting team to watch. They put up points like crazy. Uh, I looked up, because we were going to do this interview, I looked up some stats because they were shooting really well from three points. They have five players shooting over 40% from three-point range, which is phenomenal. It's unbelievable. Yeah, and, you know, at, at the start of the year, I kind of knew McKenna Marisa, and then Shea Chesky's coming on, and then now you have uh, Awuzu, who's obviously lighting up. And, yeah, it is neat, Jim, when you see, again, these stories kind of evolve. And part of the sports scene, right, is you want to be entertained. Like, you're going to a sporting event. Yeah, you might be supporting local kids, but, like, what you're hoping for is to be entertained. And I think, you know, what Mike Rhodes is doing with the, the systems he's implementing with the basketball program, that's going to pay dividends down the road. It's it's not just about winning. It's it's that they're going to be entertaining. I mean, Kale Sanderson talks all the time about with the wrestling team, uh, they're not focused on winning. The winning is the byproduct of, hey, we are going to go out and try to score as many points as we can uh, and, and go for it, try, try to hit big moves. And sometimes, you know, you get caught uh, doing that. Uh, but it's much more entertaining than just – trying to, to keep it close. And I, I think the women's team, uh, you know, and again, you can start just going ac- across the board. I think what uh, the softball team is, is putting together is, is pretty special stuff. The women's hockey team, uh, Jim, is going for back-to-back uh, CHA titles. If, if they win this game uh, Friday afternoon, they'll lock up their second straight CHA title. Uh, the women's soccer team, obviously, is just uh, – Again, not just really good. It, they are a fun watch. They've got a lot of dynamic players, and they try to create uh, you know scoring opportunities uh, at every chance. And I'm going to end up leaving sports out. It, the mindset is, hey, yeah, we want to try to win, but we want to have fun, and we want to try to, to, I guess, respect the sport would be the way I, I put it. We want to make it about the sport and trying to excel in the sport, maybe even more so than necessarily trying to to focus on winning. And Jeff, I, I want to do a quick shout out to the people who sponsored the event on Monday, which first of all, Cafe 210, tremendous host. Uh, we had Greater Good Imperials Pulp Daddy Beer, a hazy IPA. Jeff, I know you've tried it. It was great. It Cafe 210, exclusively right now, downtown State College. They're the only ones who have it. If you get a chance, you got to go give that a try. We also had uh, special drinks from a new tequila company, a women-owned. It's called 21 Seeds. Jeff, I know you want to get a chance to try it. You couldn't on Monday because you had work to do, but the drinks were phenomenal. I guess I was working too. I shouldn't be saying that. but Well, I mean, come on. (laughs) <laughs> it was after I was done working, Jeff. Yeah, there yeah, that, that that was it. But uh, it was a tremendous job. And the last thing I want to make note of is we didn't know how many folks would be there. 
And we had a, approximately twice as many people there as we estimated. So there are people who know and understand some of these other sports. They are worthy of the watch and paying attention. And kudos to Charmorette Curtis and her teammates for life group who are doing these things. And uh, Char is just one of the most phenomenal people I've ever met, Jeff. She absolutely is. And and the one thing I will say, I think everybody deserves credit uh, for working around and putting up with J.R. Mangan at, at Cafe. What a difficult work <laughs> that guy is. Uh, you know, and, and if he would ever learn anything about uh, the local music scene, maybe it would help him a little bit somewhere down the road, Jim. But other than that, uh, and obviously I am kidding. If, if you are in State College, you know that J.R., uh, is as nice a guy as, as you're going to find. And man, was he phenomenal in, in helping us uh, put this event together and, and moving forward. I, it, it really was a terrific uh, collaborative effort. And I think uh, rightfully a lot of people are excited about uh, you know how this, this venture can continue to grow and, and how we can uh, you know create opportunities for uh, good people with good products to get uh, their products better known, and also for you know these student athletes and these coaches who really are doing amazing work. I, it is just fun to hear the stories, and and I'm I'm glad we're we're going to be able to share some of those as we move forward. And we are going to be doing more of it. I want to thank you, Jeff, and again, Fox Sports 98.7 and State College, tremendous partners in this endeavor. A couple other names I want to mention. We had the basketball team. We talked to Coach Keegs. We also talked to Allie Brigham, who was a wonderful guest. And I got to talk about the, the young people who were part of the Keystone Sports, and that's Landon Tangwall and Kendall Skalicki. Kendall was like you, Jeff. She did double duty. She was there first, then on her way to the Bryce Jordan Center to continue working there. So it was a great team, great group. We'll keep you all informed as we continue to do this series going forward. Jeff, that's it for quarter number two. We still got two more quarters to go. I got an interesting topic to bring up with you next. Having multiple sportsbook accounts is the simplest way to get the best available odds, and there's never been a better time to sign up. When you visit our page, signupexpert.com slash KSN, you'll be connected to all the sportsbooks in your region. All of these sportsbooks have valuable signup offers for new users, and through our link, you'll automatically receive the top offer at each one. If you want to take advantage of these benefits, sign up for your next sportsbook at signupexpert.com slash KSN, or see the preferred sportsbook button on our app. Let's get back to the action on the Keystone Kickoff Show. Brought to you by the Keystone Sports Network. Get the best Penn State sports news and analysis at KeystoneSportsNetwork.com or download the Keystone Sports app from your smartphone. Hello and welcome back to the Keystone Kickoff Show. He's Jeff. I'm Jim. We're talking Penn State sports. And Jeff, I guess even if it's peripherally... It's time to talk about some Penn State football. First of all, you're in State College. Maybe you have your ear out more, hear what's going on, that there is conversations building about doing something to honor Joe Paterno, either name the field, the stadium, do something, naming it Joe Paterno. 
first of all, what do you know about that process? Not not a whole lot, to be honest with you, Jim. I know there have been uh, people, a, a group of folks who have been calling for this for from, you know, really even before Paterno's passing uh, and that the, the university should find a way to honor uh, not just what many of us would say was the, the greatest college football coach of all time, certainly on the short list of all time greats. But I, I don't know that when you look at the totality of what Joe Baterno did for the university as a whole, not for the athletic department, not just for the football program, but when you look at what he did and the, the way he wielded the power that he no question had uh, for the benefit of the university, I, I'm not sure. There are a few others that, uh, you know, over the century and a half, uh, nearly, that uh, that you could point to as uh, maybe being as significant of contributors or close to it. I don't know that there is anybody who has made a greater contribution to Penn State than Joe Paterno and the Paterno family. You know, and Jeff, I thought it was interesting, again, going back to Monday evening and talking with Shar. When I asked her the question, what makes Penn State so special, the first thing she did was mention Joe Paterno and what he has done and the example he has set for the other coaches. And it's um, the reason why I wanted to talk to you about this topic, it may be a little bit different context. Instead of it being, should they do it or not, I think if you're a Penn State or like you and I are, and know the background of the whole story and everything that went on, we see absolutely no reason not to do this and a thousand reasons why it should be done. However, I have hesitated in my support of the getting the statue back up, naming the field, that type of thing, because I was concerned about the blowback of the national media. And there's no doubt in my mind, whatever, what is it, 13, 14 years ago now when all this transpired, how wrong the national media was in so many ways, okay? They just got the whole story wrong, Jeff. And I thought anything that you do to honor Joe Paterno is going to create that kind of thing again. And sure enough, just this morning... You know, when I, I bring up my iPad and go into the news aggregator, there's an article about this, a national article from a national place. And I'm going to read to you the last paragraph from it. And probably as this progresses, I'll read from it again because it just constantly has me shaking my head. But I think it also proved my point of what what we would be in for at Penn State. And here I'm going to quote. It seems very unlikely this proposal will actually be adopted when everything is said and done. But the fact that it was floated in the first place makes you wonder what reality the people behind the push are occupying. It's They're saying, you know what, not only should it not be done, but just the very fact that you folks would think to do this, Jeff, is incredible. Yeah, I think at, at the end of the day, for me, Jim, and, I, and listen, I, I, to 
the extent that I think I can put myself in the the shoes of the trustees or the administration, uh, right? Like a lot of these folks are are from the business world, and like you, the you don't want negative publicity, right? Like you're just if we can stay in a, a lane uh, and not have to put out a a conviction on something. Uh, that's going to be more beneficial than taking a stand that is going to alienate, again, no matter what the stand is anymore in this country, you're probably alienating at least 30% of the, the country, regardless of how mild the situation uh, that you're taking a stand on is. But to me, and you know, full disclosure, a couple of things. Uh, I... I was raised in a house uh, that was uh, three doors down on the other side of the street uh, from Jerry Sandusky. So I grew up in the Sandusky neighborhood, know the family very well. One of their sons graduated with me. We played sports from the time I was in second grade and moved into that neighborhood right through high school and even in in college. Uh, He he played uh, football, Penn State. I tried walking on. We remain uh, friends to this day. Uh, you know, the, the only daughter in the family was my sister's age and was, uh, a very close friend of my sister's until her passing, uh, from, from breast cancer. And and she has remained very close to our family. Uh, and I have done a, uh, lot of looking into that, that case when it initially broke, I bought everything in the grand jury report and then come to find out that you can just make stuff up in a grand jury report. <laughs> and eventually, as, as things were unraveled, to me, it is very clear, like 100%, not even a doubt, that uh, not only did Joe Paterno not do anything wrong, but Jerry Sandusky is an innocent man and was wrongly convicted. Uh, so just so you know, my <laughs> my background and perspective here. And Jay Paterno, you know, was in uh, uh, the class ahead of mine, so... You know, I'm also friends with the Paternos and obviously got to cover Joe for a number of years and uh, have stayed involved with uh, with some different things with Sue Paterno as well. So uh, just full disclosure on, on my background and, and where I'm at. So for me, again, I think Joe Paterno and his accomplishments at, at Penn State uh, and, and accomplishments and contributions. And I'm going to keep coming back to that because this is a guy who used the clout of the football program and his clout to benefit the entire university, uh, to, to make the library bigger, better, more impactful. Uh, you can go on and on about the, the contributions, uh, financial time wise that the, uh, the entire maternal family have made, uh, to this community. I understand the national narrative and I understand what you're saying. And there's no doubt that there would be blowback and it would be substantial to me. It, it's worth it. That I, I think this is where, uh, you know, the, the content of your character and your convictions need to, to come into play. And to me, to not honor Joe Baterno is a disgrace. And I realize there will be a number of national pundits that honoring him uh, will be a national disgrace. Uh, But I think at the end of the day, I think Penn State would have the truth on its side, that this was a man uh, who is more than worth honoring, lived a uh, life of 
tremendous conviction, uh, did an amazing uh, number of things to help the players that came through his program. Uh, you know, some stories that still have not been told in terms of the way he uh, and his wife and, and this Penn State program reached out and helped folks uh, through very tough times. And, um, and again, went above and beyond in terms of uh, contributions to the university. So to me, even if, if everybody else on the planet is like, boy, Penn State, you're wrong, you're awful, I still think you should do it. And I think you should have the courage uh, to withstand that because you know, at the end of the day, the truth is on your side. This is a man that is worth honoring and did more, again, not just for the football program, in my opinion, uh, but for the entire university than, than anybody else who's, uh, who's ever come through uh, Penn State in any capacity. Uh, so to me, yes, it is a no-brainer that he should be honored. I understand the blowback. I understand why uh, they may not end up doing it. But to me, it is cowardly to not uh, stand up for your convictions and honor the man. I agree with the concept, Jeff, and the idea of uh, the courage of your convictions of what the real truth is. The problem is there's been over, well over a decade opportunity for the truth to come out, and it still hasn't. I'm going to read from this article one more time, and uh, uh, here's the quote. While he was never charged in connection to the Sandusky case, there is ample evidence that he was aware of it, of the accusations. And while he did eventually report some of the claims to Penn State, he didn't report it to the police. Well, it, that one's always fascinating to me because, you know, the NCAA now has a specific rule. You don't go to the police. You go to your superiors. So he did exactly what he was supposed to. And I'm not sure with that ample evidence. And we've all investigated all of this. And I will probably set up a link. We did a show a couple years ago, Jeff, um, with the um, people, the executive producer of a podcast that was called With the Benefit of Hindsight, with some really fascinating information. And I'm going to put this uh, link to it on our uh, website. There's some really interesting information. But it, it still just leads me to the case where that, what I just read, is the national narrative. And I don't know what could be done to change that. Well, I don't know that anything can be done because the truth actually is out there. Uh, John Ziegler has done great work on this. John Snedden and Frank Parlato most recently, frankreport.com, if you're looking for some uh, recent reporting on this. Uh, Frank is an investigative reporter. We're actually doing a show this week uh, on our, our local station, Sports Radio 98.7 The Fox, with Frank's work. Uh, and he has really been digging into this this last year. And he is absolutely convinced. And again, no dog in the fight for any of those individuals. Uh, John Snedden, and, and there's others, uh, you know, Ralph Sindrich. There are other people uh, that are involved here as well uh, in investigating this and, and all coming to the same conclusion that the, this, it makes no sense that the, the claims that Jerry Sandusky was a pedophile, let alone that there was some sort of a cover-up. And without rehashing the, the entire thing, Jim, it, it boils down to the cover-up. The cover-up was to go to your university president, the head of police, 
<laughs> and others and, and tell them about it. That was the cover up. Exactly. We'll, we'll wrap up this conversation when we come back, Jeff. Stay tuned. Having multiple sportsbook accounts is the simplest way to get the best available odds, and there's never been a better time to sign up. When you visit our page, signupexpert.com slash KSN, you'll be connected to all the sportsbooks in your region. All of these sportsbooks have valuable sign-up offers for new users, and through our link, you'll automatically receive the top offer at each one. If you want to take advantage of these benefits, sign up for your next sportsbook at signupexpert.com slash KSN, or see the preferred sportsbook button on our app. We headed to the home stretch in quarter number four on the Keystone Kickoff Show. Brought to you by the Keystone Sports Network. Get the best Penn State sports news and analysis at KeystoneSportsNetwork.com or download the Keystone Sports app from your smartphone. Hello and welcome back to the Keystone Kickoff Show. It's quarter number four. He's Jeff. I'm Jim. And Jeff, just to follow up, we were talking about the, the conversation going on about uh, the naming of the field after Joe Paterno. And of course that creates blowback, especially from the national media. But um, I mentioned to you a couple of years ago, we had uh, a gentleman on who was executive producer of the podcast called with the benefit of hindsight, which was done by John Ziegler, who did just amazing work investigating all of this. But the executive producer, he sent me I think it's about 40 pages long was the outline of their podcast, which was like 50 hours long. But in 40 pages, it tells the whole story all the way through. And that link is still, it's still on my website, hard to find now. But what I'm going to do is I'm going to be posting that on our website because as we have this conversation, if people still have an interest this was the best condensed version to tell you what was going on. It was great. And you're going to make that also available on your station's website, which is 987thefox.com. So you could go to either that or the keystonesportsnetwork.com. Get a chance to read this article. All I say is keep an open mind going in. And I, I think you'll find it a very interesting read, no matter where you're coming from. All right, yeah, Jeff. Just, uh, just kind of just re- real quickly, because, yeah. uh, again, frankreport.com also has some excellent recent reporting on this. Uh, I misspoke. It, it, not Ralph Sandwich. I meant Ralph Cipriano. But if you go to ralphcipriano.com, uh, uh, he has done some amazing investigative work on this. Uh, John Snedden has a, a podcast. He, he is... Uh, a uh, former uh, agent uh, and is actually the one that came down to see whether Graham Spanier uh, should be given his, uh, retain his federal clearance. And John Snedden, after a couple of days, went back and said, well, yeah, there's absolutely no reason for him not to because there's nothing here to the Sandusky case. I mean, he sniffed it out like that and he has done some great work. And then, as you said, John Ziegler, uh, are among others. So, so the truth on this whole story is actually out there. Uh, what is amazing is the number of people that no, I already know it, and they just plug their ears, ears and oh, I'm not, I'm not going to listen to you. Wait, well, why would you not listen? Uh, if if you know you have the truth on your side, then why not listen to the nonsense that the other side is spewing and poke the holes where you can clearly poke holes? And one of the reasons they don't do that is because there are no holes to be poked. 
Uh, Jerry Sandusky's story is the one, the one in this entire scenario, which has stayed consistent from day one till now. Matt Sandusky's story changed. Aaron Fisher's story changed. Right on down, the list of accusers, the list of the folks uh, you know that, that brought the, the case, uh, Mike McQuarrie, all of these people. Stories changed. They evolved. Oh, we remembered this detail. Oh, we forgot that detail. Jerry Sandusky has told the same story from day one. And just real quickly, I don't want to necessarily get uh, <laughs> too bogged okay. down. It's on this okay, term. Jeff. It's okay. But listen, if you look at pedophiles, there is a pattern when they get caught. Generally, the people closest to them, like time and time again, Larry Nasser, wife said, oh, I'm out of here, filed for divorce. I can't believe you did this. Jerry Sandusky, and again, I, I was raised in the neighborhood that Sandusky lived in. I am telling you uh, virtually all, I guess I don't, I haven't talked to all of the neighbors, but a lot of the neighbors have stayed steadfast in their support of the Sandusky's. Dottie Sandusky maintains she knows he is innocent. I know some people will say, well, she was part of it. I can't tell you the hours I spent in the Sandusky home as a kid. And I just, I'm, I'm telling you whether you'll listen or not, there is zero percent chance. Like there is not a chance in hell that Dottie Sandusky would sit by and allow a pedophile or anybody doing any kind of harm to kids knowingly. And there's no way for this to have gone on the way it is described to have gone on without her having an inkling about it over those years. So again, there's just no chance. If you knew her and understood the way she uh, was raised and, and her worldview, it just, it, it's not possible. Um, and so the, the people and, and Jerry Sandusky's kid with the exception of Matt Sandusky and Matt initially was very supportive of Jerry too. And then as it became apparent during the trial that people were going to be able to cash in, suddenly Matt remembered that, Oh no, I actually, I'm, I'm not defending my dad. Now I, I do think he, he abused me too. Um, but overwhelmingly the people that were close to Jerry Sandusky have stuck by him. That is not what happens in these pedophile cases. And the other thing is Jim, Jerry Sandusky, once pedophiles get caught, there's generally two, one of two things that happen. One, they, they either go to their accusers and it's like, please, I, I, I'm so sorry. I don't know what I was doing. You misinterpreted that. And, and please tell a different story. At no point did Jerry Sandusky have any communication with any of these people other than the, the one I'm, I'm aware of, and, and there's been a, a second one that I've heard uh, that he did as well, but it was, hey... Alan Myers, can you go please tell them the truth about what happened? Uh, well, that isn't that isn't what a pedophile does. Uh, and, you know, the fact that there was no uh, child pornography, I, there's just a whole lot of things that are just very inconsistent. And again, you either go to the, uh, the accusers and, you know, plead with them, or you beg for mercy. You, you admit, my God, I had a sickness. I am so sorry. None of that happened. Uh, and Jerry Sandusky maintains his uh, his innocence. And uh, again, to me, very tellingly, the people around him maintain his innocence, while the people around a lot of the accusers, I, I won't say all of them, but most of the ones we know about, the people around them will tell you, yeah, I don't trust this person. I think they're telling a lie. 
Well, that that is completely ass backwards from every other high profile pedophile case that we know about. And Jeff, you obviously were so much closer to the situation than than I was. On the outside, though, what I'm looking at then is the national media reaction to all this. And it's unfortunate. Young people like the the people who are students now at Penn State probably do not recall all that was going on. But there was one thing that I thought really told the tale of how bad the media and the national media specifically was. Um, I saw there, there was a poll out there that said, Ask the question about the situation. This is while it was ongoing during that time. And the poll was, who was the pedophile? 25% of the people responding to the poll said it was Joe Paterno. Yeah. Another 25% weren't sure if it was Joe Paterno. So you had approximately 50% of the people polled either thought it was or thought it could have been Joe Paterno. Why? Because at the time, if you saw the headlines were it was the Paterno scandal because that was the name that was known nationally. And uh, Joe and maybe even Penn State, people who didn't like Penn State, it's like, oh, there's a holier-than-thou attitude there, and they wanted to knock this person down. So in the national media's coverage of this, they made it this was the villain And so I don't blame the public so much because they're responding to what they were told. I blame the national media and how they handled the case. And it it was just, it should have been criminal the way the media handled the case, Jeff. I completely agree with you. And, and, uh, you know, since then, and and thanks in part to John Ziegler and, and, uh, you know, I've I've talked with him a, a good bit about, other situations too, and you start to realize just how easy uh, it is to paint a, a false narrative and, and to get it to stick. Uh, and I'm with you. I don't necessarily blame the, the public. Again, we're all living busy lives. We, we rely on so-called journalists to give us the information, give us the accurate uh, information. And then, you know, again, we, the average day person, I, and, and even the average journalists are like you don't have time to dig into every story and all right let's delve into whether or not uh, all of this is actually true or not uh and so you you end up you know being maybe familiar with a few stories here or there but uh it it is to me jim it was very eye-opening and again it starts with that grand jury report where you just had stuff that was flat out made up and stuff that I think to this day sticks to, to your point. I, I bet, I, I think there is still a majority. Uh, I, I would almost bet anything on it, that a majority of people, if you pulled them nationally, it's like, did Mike McQuarrie see somebody being raped in the shower? Their answer would be yes. Mike McQuarrie is adamant that he never said that to anybody but it was in the grand jury report. And so once that narrative got out there, again, it did not happen. Mike McQuarrie is adamant. He did not see that occur. But I I would almost guarantee you that well over 50% of the American population, uh, 
and maybe even believes worse uh, with Paterno, but believes that Mike McQuarrie went to Joe Paterno and said, hey, I saw a boy being raped in the shower, and uh, and that Joe Paterno then turned around and said, uh, hey, Penn State president, uh, head of police and uh, athletic director, uh, we have a coach, a former coach who was raping a boy in the shower. Let's, uh, the four of us, I, I want to bring you guys in on this so that we can conspire together now to keep this quiet. What? Like, does that, ma- when you sit down and think about that, does that make any sense to anybody anywhere? And the answer is no, that is preposterous. It, exactly. But here we are all these years later, Jeff, with all of this information, as you pointed out, you know, contrary to the initial story, but it doesn't matter. Here I am just casually. I'm close enough to the situation to know there's a lot more to this story. But if you're from anywhere else in the country and you open this article, which is, you know, a national type article, you read this. It's not put out there as conjecture. This is put out essentially as fact, Jeff. It is. I I mean, there's there's no disputing that that's that is what it is uh, presented as. Well, I, Jeff, I know this wasn't our intention to follow it up with another segment. That's OK, though. It's not a problem. I think it is an important story, uh, not only for the principals who are involved from the Penn State standpoint, but I think it's also a comment on our national media also. I think that's a big part of this story. All right, Jeff, that has to be it for our show. Thank you all for listening. Join us next time on the Keystone Kickoff Show. Having multiple sportsbook accounts is the simplest way to get the best available odds, and there's never been a better time to sign up. When you visit our page, signupexpert.com slash KSN, you'll be connected to all the sportsbooks in your region. All of these sportsbooks have valuable sign-up offers for new users, and through our link, you'll automatically receive the top offer at each one. If you want to take advantage of these benefits, sign up for your next sportsbook at signupexpert.com slash KSN, or see the preferred sportsbook button on our app.